Get your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture With Stick Around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast is back up in the woods amongst the evergreens Sponsored by Topography Seven Dusk The sandbox open world game that is in reality a linear illusion Like life <laughs> wow, you, uh, that was you took right. it a whole new way, a whole new route. Yeah, we're going for some deep philosophy today. I thought uh, it was about cracking hunting ships, but disappointingly, it's not. Well, it's, it's about, about that. It's about both. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. It's like an onion. Hand, it's like it. an onion. Layers. Uh, <laughs> Levels. <laughs> right. You're here. You're here for uh, stick around games episode twenty. That's right. I had that prepared. Um, <laughs> I'm here with games expert Clive Fisher. Hey, hey. Games expert Dave Peeling. Hello there. Games expert James Flux. Ahoy, hoy. And the man who gets motion sickness playing first-person shooters, Michael Johnson. That'd be me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ma- <laughs> Michael's just uh, joined us for... Um, the lols. Yeah, for the lols and for the free beer that I'm offering him. Uh, not actually free, you paid for it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Sounds like yeah. a pretty rubbish deal. <laughs> um, I've basically been held against my will. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is the first actual normal podcast of the year we're doing in mid-March. It is, yeah, it's taken a while, isn't it? Yeah, having done all of our top five from last year. Um, disappointingly... Clive has not uh, robbed somebody of a Nintendo Switch yet, but you should get that next time. Hopefully, yeah. It's on. It says delivery by the thirty first of March, but I don't know how trustworthy the seller is. I suppose we'll find out. I got a good deal, but yeah, it's not come yet. I do have a copy of Zelda Breath of the Wild on Switch. Just nowhere to put it. The cartridge looks <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was tempted to taste it. Apparently, they taste horrible. <laughs> so the children don't eat them. Maybe I'll do that right. live later. But, See, yeah, I um, haven't tried this it. reminds me of when I bought the Xbox 360 on launch, or I thought I did through Amazon, and um, they, t- they took my order, and then a day before they told me that they didn't have enough to fulfil my order, so they cancelled it, but they'd still sent me out the games that I bought separately. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Uh, it's good, isn't it? It's a good feeling. Yeah, um, obviously the day before meant I had no chance of getting it from anywhere else, so I had to wait about two months to actually get a console smashing anyway I'm not bi- yeah. I'm not bitter about that anymore obviously <laughs> <laughs> moved on yeah yeah fairness I only had perfect dark zero anyway and some other game and that was shite so yeah so you didn't miss a lot yeah, yeah, yeah I've got apparently something that's amazing but I can't the box is really good quite small <laughs> yeah. right Fantastic. Hesitant to call it the greatest game of all time until I've actually played it, but <laughs> this is the best review of a game that you haven't played ever. The bo- box is quite nice. Uh, look, looks good. Tastes horrible. Box is a... <laughs> right. Well, speaking of something else which looks good in a box and tastes horrible, James Flux, what's your first game? For today? Uh, thanks, Al. <laughs> Well, what a start. Um, right, so my my first game um, today is uh, Battlefield Hardline. 
um, developed by Visceral Games and EA Dice and loads of other EA studios um, and published by EA. Um, this is uh, Battlefield Hardline was a first person shooter in the 10th game in EA's Battlefield series released in March 2015. Uh, unlike the other games in the series, instead of focusing on a particular military conflict or at least a style of military conflict, um, Hardline focuses on the war against crime um, and is therefore in something of a, a cops and robbers style. Um, I'll I'll jump straight into it because I don't think I necessarily need to explain what a, what a battlefield game is or or how it works. I'm sure sure most people will know, um, given that they're they're an annual series of first person shooters. Um, in terms of uh, the story on this one, um, like I say, it's a uh, cops and robbers style, um, and the story focuses on the uh, detective Nick Mendoza of the Miami Police, and um, whilst investigating a new drug on the street called Hotshot, um, he uh, suspects police corruption, and it's effectively his stories. He investigates um, this new drug and and the potential police corruption and um, things behind behind its distribution. In terms of prose, I quite like the change of pace from uh, to kind of cops and robbers style instead of a military game. Um, it gives it a different feel. In particular you can your your focus seems to be more on arresting people rather than actually killing them. Um, open conflict tends not to work very well. You tend to get outnumbered quickly and, and, and killed pretty fast. Whereas if you take a more tactical approach and try and arrest a few of the perpetrators before the conflict starts, you, you tend to survive a lot longer. Whilst slightly unrealistic, if nothing else, because he apparently seems to carry an infinite number of pairs of handcuffs in his pocket, um, it, it gives it something new and it gives it something fresh, and I think that's something to be applauded um, in, a, in a market that is the usual churn out the, churn out the next in this series. Um, type run in the like in the vein of Call of Duty, etc. Um, so I'd, I'd like to say I like the I like the change of pace, and I think that should be applauded. Um, also a pro on this, whilst many critics have panned it, I actually quite like the story. I generally found it pr pretty pretty solid. Um, like I say, I, I kind of expected that it wouldn't be that great because a lot of critics have said, "Oh, it's not as good a story," and what have you. But I found it genuinely interesting, and I was intrigued up until the end. There were quite a few twists and turns, which is why I kept my description of the story brief because I wouldn't want to ruin anything for those playing it. Um, but I genuinely wanted to see how it ended, and I'm not. I I personally can't see why all the critics have panned the story. I I thought it was quite well written and, and worked really well. Um, again, it's not particularly realistic, but name me a first-person shooter story that is realistic. It always seems to focus on some sort of outrageous ability to kill hundreds and hundreds of people as a, as a lone <laughs> soldier. So I don't yeah. see what the difference is that it's one guy who can arrest loads and loads of people <laughs> and operate outside the law whilst, whilst investigating crime. I, I, again, it seemed, it seemed a bit of an odd criticism for me. Um, the controls and gameplay, etc., are exactly what you'd expect from a Battlefield game. They all they all hold up perfectly. The controls very intuitive, and the the gameplay works without without any bugs whatsoever, as you as you would expect. The multiplayer is also quite good. Um, I have obviously come into this quite late, and I was worried that perhaps there wouldn't be the numbers there to to sustain my interest in playing the multiplayer. But actually, there is, um, and and it's got a got a pretty reasonable fan base still going. Um, so that worked out well and actually I think the cops and robbers style 
works lends itself quite well to the multiplayer there's a very sort of clear defined why one of you is attacking the other and vice versa than there is perhaps in in some of the more um abstract military ones um so i think that works well there's a there's a couple of really good modes i think blood money's probably my favorite where there's a big stack of cash and the police have got to collect it as evidence the criminals are obviously just trying to steal it um and you've got a deposit at your base and it works really well it's means there's a good focus of uh, action and trying to and trying to grab the money and keep moving so you can't just camp wherever you like but it also kind of gives you that thing of protecting your base so for those people who camping is kind of a uh, uh, prerequisite of playing a first person shooter well they can be happy too because they can at least try and stalk out the base and protect it and what have you so it, it works quite well in that it appeals to a sort of broader range of gamer in terms of cons Again, like many sort of um, first-person shooter annual series titles, the story's quite short. Um, like I say, I enjoyed it, and I actually think perhaps the length worked a bit better to keep it to keep it sort of intriguing and keep it at a certain pace so that you couldn't really go, oh, don't, oh, you're still recovering from the last twist when the next one comes along. But if you if you bought it at launch, I can imagine that you might have been upset by the length of the length of the campaign. But again, you probably knew what you were getting. Another con in relation to the multiplayer is the weapons levelling system. When you first unlock um, a sort of new... or you get one weapon in each category that's sort of fully ready for you and then the others you can unlock and obviously gradually get different. There's quite a good evening between them so it's not like um, more experienced players necessarily have a big advantage but when you come to unlock a new weapon you unlock it completely fresh of any sort of... Um, attachments or anything like that which whilst works quite well in the story of oh, you're building it up and progressing it gives you a sense of progression with the sniper rifles it's absolutely ludicrous because you can't have a scope so you've got a sky sniper rifle but you can't you can only use it at close range because you can't aim <laughs> over distance it seems a really really odd system to to bring in for that you'd think if you're going to do with that system and i could see why you do that for the sense of achievement at least give it a sort of generic scope on the sniper rifle, not only iron sights. Um, that so that yeah, that was a bit weird, and it, it put me off sort of um, doing any sniper-based work because I, I really can't be bothered trying to get up close and personal to kill some people to start unlocking some scopes. Um, as a summary, I really enjoyed Hardline. I I bought it cheap after I enjoyed Battlefield 1 that obviously Dave talked about as one of his top 5 games of last year Um, and I'd completed the single player on that and I saw this and Battlefield 4 I think for about £6 or £8 together something like that and I was like oh well it's it's worth a punt at that price Um, and I really enjoyed it like I say the the story I thought was actually really good contrary to the reviews of other people and it, it, it did something a bit different to the normal sort of annual first person shooter release so I'm um, absolutely, absolutely going to commend them for that. Um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, but absolutely, if you can get it cheap, go out, buy it. It's, it's a perfectly decent first-person shooter, and there's still enough people playing multiplayer online um, that, you, that you can still do that and get some enjoyment out of it. Oh, cool. Um, this I didn't even know this existed. Um, so what kind of era... You might have mentioned this, but I didn't say... What kind of era are we talking here, Cops and Robbers? Yeah, it's a it's a modern modern era cops and robbers. Modern no, era, I, I, modern era, I, I, right, I didn't okay. say, but yeah, it is it's broadly broadly up to date. Right. Okay. Um, 
Okay, yeah, I wasn't aware. This sounds... So in terms of you saying it's a lot about arresting the people, how do you do that in a first-person kind of... Um, so effectively, yeah, it works. Effectively, you have to aim at them, and then if you press L1, I think it is, you flash your police badge at them, and at that point it says, right, drop your weapons. You can only do it to small groups of people, so you can't like try and arrest 20 guys at once. Right. I, I think three might be the maximum. And then as you're arresting one or the other, you've got to keep your you've got to keep your gun on the others so they have a little gauge. And if uh, you haven't threatened them with your weapon for a certain period of time, they flip and start shooting at you. So it's perhaps not as un- unrealistic as just um, saying, right, yeah, everyone seems to... Do you know what I mean? Everyone's just content to be arrested all the time. You do have to keep your weapon and sort of control the situation. But it's pretty unlikely that every single criminal all of whom are heavenly armed, is going to want to be arrested and is going to give up when you ask them to, which does happen on this game. Um, I'm assuming this is set in America. It is, yeah. It's set in Miami. I would have been very, very impressed had they made some sort of political point with this where it's actually impossible to arrest a black man. You have to shoot them dead. (laughs) 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 Uh, Obviously, that's not going to happen from an EA game. Um, (laughs) Maybe not any game, but has anyone else played this one? Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think they would struggle in the old reviews when it's like, oh, yeah, good game, but but institutionally racist. But still, go out, <laughs> go out and buy it. That's... Well, it wouldn't be the game that was institutionally racist. It would be the game that is showing up a mirror to modern society. But anyway, uh, Dave, have you played this? I know you're, well, as Brooks mentioned, you played Battlefield games. I've played Battlefield 1, and I've not played anything before that for a number of years. But um, oh, okay. no, I've, I've not played this, no. And I played Battlefield 4, but not this. <laughs> right, okay. Which I think came out at a similar sort of time, but is a more standard Battlefield in an actual Battlefield situation. Well, I'd ask Mike, I haven't played it. I'd ask Michael, but I know for a fact he hasn't. The last time you played a first person shooter, I believe, was the original Halo for about five minutes. Probably, yeah. Was that when you kept, was that when you kept uh, destroying me by punching me in the neck each time I got up? <laughs> I believe so, yeah. And um, yes, that was on Halo. <laughs> classic game. Um, right, yeah, this sounds pretty interesting, actually. Especially if it's only if it's less than a tenner. It's always on sale, that and Battlefield 4. So you can definitely pick it mm. up for like four or five quid most of the time. One thing I would say is that uh, the description of someone who operates outside the law but with the ability to arrest hundreds of people did remind me of the Colin Felcher books. <laughs> He does, yeah. I mean, he's a maverick, isn't he? You know, absolutely. Keeping the streets of West Bromwich safe. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on, um, we're going to go to a man who I believe is singularly unprepared. Uh, so we'll see what he can rustle up. <laughs> Dave, Dave Peeling, what have you got for us? Well, thank you. Um, it's not so much that um, I'm unprepared as that I haven't really played any new games since the last time we did a games podcast. So, all those games that I've played, I've prepared for. Um, <laughs> so, since we, since we last spoke, I've played an awful lot of Battlefield 1. And um, the, the first DLC, uh, the first downloadable content for Battlefield 1 is, is now available if you have premium. But um, fortunately for listeners to this podcast, I don't have premium. And I'm still waiting <laughs> For it to become available for me to purchase, it looks quite exciting though. 
um, the French <laughs> army are to be added to the to Battlefield One, uh, which was wee oui, wee oui. something perhaps of a there was somewhat missing from this game set in the First World War. You might argue. <laughs> um, so good to see that they've rectified that. Um, so. In light of that, and without giving you another review of Battlefield 1 again, I was going to talk about the only other video game that I've played. Um, it's um, a little uh, little iOS game I've been playing called Mini Metro. Um, it's been out for a couple of years now. In fact, I think it was first released in 2015 as a browser game. So you can go see it. You can go to, um, I'm going to guess, minimetro.com. Let me just type that and see what happens. I'm not driving a Mini Metro. I'm not driving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't. No, you get a different thing. Fine. Um, if you Google Mini Metro, hold on. Let me Google Mini Metro. Oh uh, yeah, it's the first one that comes up when you Google Mini Metro, and um, it's a uh, it's a puzzle game. Well, kind of a puzzle game that's um, based on you designing a, um, a subway system in a city. So there are various maps set around various um, cities around the world that have famous subway or metro systems. Um, the first level you come to is London, so you come across a, um, a plain white screen with a, um, a kind of diagram version of um, the River Thames on it. And um, stations pop up on the map and you need to link them up with um, metro lines. Uh, with the aim of moving people between the stations. So um, the most common station is a circle shape, but there are triangles and squares, and then as you progress further, um, you get limited numbers of special stations, and you have to find ways of moving people around between the stations. So it's really quite a straightforward idea, and it's one that I think a number of games have done. This one is particularly I particularly enjoy because it is um, it's very intuitive, it's just a matter of dragging the lines um, on the screen um, to um, to link the stations up. It's quite satisfying when you progress quite far and you manage to save stations that are overcrowding because up until then you've not managed to serve them with enough trains. You can add new trains um, as you progress up through the weeks and um, additional challenge simple challenges are set by the fact that um you, there are a limited number of tunnels or bridges depending on the city um to cross whatever rivers or um bays are in in that particular city so it's really really quite straightforward but it's unbelievably addictive um i found myself playing this for many many train journeys um it's it's so straightforward um it looks really um Really, really well done. It's it's quite it's it's stylized on um, tube maps and so on. So you'll kind of feel like you recognise the style of it um, straight away. Like I say, it came out in November twenty fifteen, but it's now on um, Android and iOS. Um, you can find it on Windows and it's on browsers. Um, it has a four point nine out of five rating on iTunes, four point eight out of five on Google Play, and a full ten out of ten on Steam. So it's it's really quite a straightforward little game. It's only a pound or two, I think, on the App Store. But I've played. It must have had twelve or thirteen hours of playtime since I bought this about six months ago. Um, I think it's worth every penny. So um, if you're looking for a game to occupy you on a bus ride or something like that, um, I definitely recommend this. 
Okay, excellent. Yeah, this is a, I think this is the second iOS game you've reviewed on the podcast. The first of which I bought and I really enjoyed actually. Um, do you remember that? the game I'm talking about? No. Around the World in 80 Days? It oh, was, was it yeah. Around the World in 80 Days? Yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. That, that was a great game. I hadn't played a text based game before, but that was beautiful. Um, yeah, so this is nothing like as um, in depth as that, I wouldn't have said. Mm. Um, this is one that you can probably drop drop in and out of a little bit more than that, perhaps. Um, yeah, the, the the beauty in this one is its utter simplicity. It's it's incredibly intuitive when you come to it, um, but it's I don't know. I found it very addictive, very entertaining. Right. Is that any anyone played this? Anyone heard of this? Not even heard of it. No, it does sound intriguing though. I don't really play games on my phone. But if I did, I think it'd be. No, I yeah, don't I normally. It. I really enjoyed Around the World in 80 Days, though. Um, it took me a while to get through it, but I did enjoy it a lot. Cool. Michael, do you play any games on your phone? No. As an outsider? <laughs> no, short and sweet, yeah. Not since Snake. No. Not since Snake, right? I don't think so. Snake, that was, a great, that was a good game, wasn't it? Wasn't it, yeah. Can you just get standard Snake on, like, a normal phone? I'm sure you must be able to. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure someone's marketed it, yeah. I feel like, like I don't, that wasn't as amazing an idea as you think you just had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's yeah, well, thought of. It should be available. I, and I don't want it jazzed up with new graphics. I just want standard, you know, block snake. That's all I want. Um, I'm sure you can get that. I'll have to look into it. Right, anyway, um, I'm intrigued as to what you're going to talk about, Clive. Um are you going to talk more about the Zelda box, Breath of the Wild um, box? Yeah, I'm going to give you a full <laughs> review of the Zelda box. <laughs> now, right. I'm going to talk about two PS4 games, the second of which is more of an arty-farty game. This one definitely isn't. Um, I'm going to start with, possibly unpredictably, uh, Titanfall 2, which okay. is the, the, a game that came out last year, a follow-up to 2014's Titanfall, that I think at that point was an Xbox exclusive, but now it's on both. I could be wrong in that, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, it's developed by Respawn Entertainment and published by EA. Didn't do that well when it came out. Even It got really good reviews, but did um, pants... Well, not terribly, I don't think, selling, but didn't sell that well. Purely because EA are idiots and decided to release it at the same time as COD and Battlefield. And uh, against their beliefs, there was actually a limit as to the amount of first-person shooters people wanted to play. <laughs> and releasing three in the same two weeks uh, didn't didn't work out so well. It's all more remarkable because they they also make Battlefield as well. They, they directly yeah exactly that's <laughs> the double yeah that's why it's a, <laughs> an unfathomably stupid decision. <laughs> they weren't it wasn't the same week but it was literally within about two weeks those three games came out which were like the big first person shooters of the year. So it's just like why can't you just spread them out? <laughs> Surely, but um, yeah. It was the only one of those three that I was particularly interested in. I've just been waiting for a, you know, waiting for the price to drop, and I got a pretty good deal on it um, just before my last half term, so I got to play through it. Um, it's basically, Titanfall is a first-person shooter with mechs. Uh, the Titans are the mechs. Um, the story is, um, you know, as Flux was saying, first-person shooter, so fairly nonsensical. But <laughs> um, you're basically playing in, you know, it's in set pretty far in the future. You're playing as the frontier militia, uh, battling against the IMC about some territory somewhere out on the frontier, which is quite far away from Earth, as far as I can gather. Um, you play as Jack Cooper, who's just a rifleman, so he's not supposed to be uh, driving a mech, but he happens upon a mech because someone who, uh, one of the captains has died and he's the last person alive, so he uh, becomes in charge of it. And his mech is called BT-72, 
7274, brilliantly. It's, yeah, so that, that's basically the story. I mean, to be honest, I didn't really understand massively what was going on other than I was trying to save the world <laughs> from the IMC and shooting a lot of things <laughs> in the process. But what really matters in this type of game is the gameplay, which feels really, like the shooting feels good. I'm not a massive first-person shooter fan, but I found the shooting in this pretty satisfying and it was, you know, there's a good selection of difficulties and I found one that was challenging but not too much of a pain in the ass so that was good um the, the gun there's quite a good variety of the guns and they they've got particularly i think the sound design in particular is like really good it fa- feels satisfying to shoot shoot the guns but what's really kind of special about this game in terms of compared to other first person shooters that i've played is that like maneuverability of it you're really maneuverable even just without the mech and you spend probably half the game in the mech half in out probably slightly more actually out of the mech but you can like do wall running uh, run along walls you can do a double jump which i think was in call of duty as far as i know but it's kind of so it's you feel more once you've got the hang of the wall running they use that quite a lot and there's almost some sections of the game which are quite platformy uh, a bit almost like a you know first person mario platformer at times like trying to jump and then wall run things and then jump onto a moving ledge and all that kind of stuff which works you'd think would be terrible in first person because that doesn't usually work unless you can actually see your feet uh, as you can in you know third person games like Mario but it works pretty well and it does it and I found those kind of breaks in between all the shooting gave it a nice uh, refreshing feel and some of the, sometimes you're actually doing that while you know mid battle trying to get away from mechs and that was pretty exciting so it gave a new edge to the first person shooter for me and I really enjoyed that side of it um getting in the mechs is really fun a, the animation when you actually, you know, the mech sort of grabs you and then just shoves you in his helmet, which is pretty cool. But then also you just feel awesomely powerful. Like uh, if you're in a mech, basically the humans have absolutely no chance. <laughs> you could just go around destroying them. But then you battle against other mechs, but the mechs have kind of different functions. Like you have left triggers kind of usually some sort of shield. Some of them uh, like attract things that get being shot at them and then can bounce them back at a certain area. Some of them just shield you from certain sides and uh, they all have different functions and there's different loadouts for the mechs and then there's different you, you have your main gun but it's usually got some sort of secondary function and some of the mechs can some of the loadouts let you like hover for a certain amount of time and usually once you've hit a certain amount of targets you've loaded up your main weapon i forgot what it's called it's usually something core and then that they all have various ones of those one of which is like you fly and just shoot loads and loads of bullets. Or they're all really fun. One of them just fires this ridiculous laser, <laughs> which uh, more or less kills anything in its path. So yeah, you feel pretty powerful in a mech, which is good. But it's also still, if you're fighting another mech, there's a bit of strategy as to like, okay, when am I going to use my shield? When am I just going to go for it? All that, and how am I going to get around the back of him? How am I going to find his, you know, weaker spots and things like that? Which, which I found really fun because it's more of a. Rather than in a first-person shooter, it's often you're taking out hundreds and hundreds of stuff, whereas now and again in the boss sections of this, you're just kind of focusing on one mech, and it's you you and this other mech uh, kind of duking it out, which was pretty fun. Um, I thought, like I've said, the story is not great in terms of I didn't really get immersed because of the story, but I was immersed in the game, and I did really want to finish it, more because I just thought like the level design was really varied. Um, I've mentioned the platform and there's other things that are used and you know there's one whole level where you're kind of like just jumping from actual flying ships to different flying ships and <laughs> that's pretty awesomely done and it's just constantly changing up the changing up what you're doing which really keeps you interested um, I, re- I think the way that your relationship with your mech BT is done is really really good and it kind of builds throughout the game and you grow and I, I've always enjoyed kind of games where there's a 
you it's not just you on your own and there's some sort of relationship there and they have kind of you know good uh, robot banter <laughs> from bt <laughs> now and again and yeah it just seems like a, a cool robot but um so that's bit's good i have finished the game and i've played a little bit of the multiplayer but um as i've mentioned before i don't i'm not particularly great at first person shooters and this falls in that category of being quite serious first person shooter so when i got into the multiplayer i was just getting my ass kicked so i haven't played loads of it but there is it seems you know serviceable and pretty i like that there's certain new things like there's modes where you just play straight away you're just shooting loads of mechs which i thought was the most fun one for me but there's also ones where you start as a start as the human and then just kind of um or the pilot as they're called and then once you've killed enough people you get you can get your mech to come down and then you're in the mech and there's a variety of other modes like that and the, the maps seem really well designed and stuff so i think if you are into first person shooters then it kind of adds a new interesting dynamic to that kind of thing but for me i was just too crap at the multiplayer to really <laughs> get into it that much but i had it so much fun with the campaign that it was well worth the money anyway and i think it's one of those rare games where i think i will replay it at some point maybe on a harder difficulty just to kind of challenge myself because i thought it was yeah a, just a fun ride throughout so yeah i ended up being not surprised because i did expect it to be good which is why i bought it and i've been waiting to buy it but probably still a little bit surprised as to how good it was and it's certainly some of the most fun i've had with a first person shooter since probably like goldeneye which is wow. saying a fair amount mm, even, nice not, big even though i haven't played that many since then but <laughs> I, I haven't um the last one I probably enjoyed the campaign of was Killzone 2, uh, which was pretty ridiculous, but fun. <laughs> As is this. But yeah, so it's Titanfall 2. I would definitely recommend it, particularly as it's dropped in price quite a lot because of the fact it hasn't sold that well. You can easily pick it up for like 20 quid. I managed to get it for 15, which is, which is well worth. The campaign is about eight, between 8 and 10 hours long, which for me is perfect. Like it didn't, At no point did it drag. It probably actually, which is really rare for a game, finished before i was ready for it to finish i could have played a two or three more hours of it easily but whereas mm. normally towards the end of a game i'm feeling like it's dragging and this was definitely not the case and i think that's just because of the way it varies all the levels and you feel like you're doing something new all the time so yeah well done i think a first a good first person shooter campaign is probably quite hard to do and they've done it here so i would right. recommend it i think that stick around games first well done High price. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> it might be. It might be. Yeah, you don't really play many first person shooters, do you, Clive? <laughs> um, no, I think I've. Well, I talked about Overwatch came really high, and that's a first person well, yeah, shooter, true. but yeah, that's a different Overwatch, style. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. more like a cartoony style, which is what I'm usually yeah. more down with. One of us. One yeah, of us. and that's purely multiplayer, but it's just. <clears throat> yeah. This is less more serious than the multiplayer which is why I'm more pants at it which is why I'm less likely to play it but I bought it entirely for the campaign so I wasn't even bothered about whether the, I did end up playing the multiplayer or not and it's been well worth it for the campaign so death's good Flux this feels like I feel like you've played this or am I totally making that up uh, I haven't played this but I definitely will I def well I've played the beta in fairness so I actually have played it but a limited period of time cool. Um uh, you the first I did, one, by yeah, I did play the first okay. one, and I was I really enjoyed that. I was a big fan okay, of it, cool. um, which is why I'm basically doing what you're going to do, Clive. I'm basically waiting, and we'll buy it when it's cheaper because I've got a few games on the go at the moment, so I don't want to buy it now because I won't play it now. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I'll wait exactly. and see if it drops any further before I buy it. But I definitely will buy it. I'm I'm looking forward to it when I get round to it. Cool. Um, 
so I'm, I'm pleased I'm pleased with your review I'm pleased the first one interestingly for for those that didn't know didn't actually have a campaign um, it had a story built into oh, the right, multiplayer okay, and they that. tried they tried to do it without a campaign and it was probably the biggest criticism of the game that there mm. wasn't actually a campaign that it was this story that you discovered through playing the multi for like this sort of five five second description of each map and stuff at the beginning where you'd have someone over radio saying oh this is why we're fighting this map go and you'd be like what the <laughs> hell what <laughs> Um, and it was probably okay. the biggest criticism of the original Titanfall, but I played it for the multiplayer anyway. So I, I whilst whilst it did annoy me a bit, I it didn't find it massively jarring. Um, but yeah, you'll probably get loads that, out of this then if you're gonna. Yeah, it's good to hear that it's got a it's got a story and um, so yeah. So I'm like I say, I, I played the beta and I really enjoyed playing the multiplayer beta and um, it yeah, it seemed the multiplayer there seemed pretty seamless, seemed um, fairly similar to the first one with the wall running and the stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it when when I get it. Um, but yeah, I've only I've only played about five hours or something of the multiplayer over a over a couple of weekend betas and bits and pieces. Cool. Right. Okay. Cool. I'm going to uh, quickly interject with a very small review of my own here. It's quite rever- quite rare. Uh, a game I finished quite a while ago, but um, haven't been able to review on the podcast. Uh, my most awaited game, uh, eagerly awaited game of last year, The Last Guardian. Uh, did I? M- I haven't mentioned this on the podcast before, have I? Just to not since you played it, no. Not since I played it, no. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who isn't aware, it's um, kind of a second sequel uh, to the original Eco back on PlayStation uh, or the Shadow of Colossus, two of the most highly rated games of all time. Uh, developed again by Team Eco, uh, exclusively for the PlayStation Four at the minute, at least. The plot is very. Well, quite Studio Ghibli-esque, actually, you could say. You play the part of a young boy who awakens in a large, um, semi-natural fortress, uh, chained in the same room as a chained-up beast called Trico, which is half cat, seems to be part cat, part dog, part bird. Um, and you must kind of befriend and gain the trust of this creature in order to escape this kind of half magical kind of half magic realist fortress in order to do so you must kind of get again its trust you must uh, to solve the puzzles you must kind of lure trico into doing certain actions and um well i'll say from the very off it's it, it's one of the most charming games i've ever played also one of the most infuriating it feels <laughs> like you're training a dog the entire way through and the dog's not exactly doing what you want it to do the entire time yet that kind of feels like it's part of the charm um before we go any, any further, did anybody else play Eco or Shadow of Colossus? No, I heard great things about both and never really got around to playing. I do want to play Last Guardian, but again, I'm waiting for it to to drop a little bit and then I'll probably get around to it. Right, okay. isn't, uh, isn't Shadow of the Colossus the game that convinced uh, Roger Ebert that video games could be art? It is, yeah. Quite possibly, so, yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, I know Guillermo del Toro considers it to be the greatest video game, but I know he's not exactly... Yeah. <laughs> he is my prime uh, video game critic, actually. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, not the loves last guy. Too. Anyway, I really enjoyed this. It's um, as I said, uh, part of the charm is the. I know it's, it sounds ridiculous to say it, but part of the charm is how infuriating Trico can be. He's this kind of utterly charming yet also ferocious creature who you kind of have to coerce and um, negotiate with. Sometimes you have to soothe him when he's a bit agitated. Sometimes you have to. You know, rile him up in order to destroy enemies. 
sometimes you just have to shout at him. Uh, but the, the puzzles are always logical. There's nothing too difficult about them, but um, they feel intuitive and it feels like the game's always very fair to the player. The graphics are scintillating, um, beautiful, kind of almost a hand-drawn sort of animation style. And um, they will remind you of kind of classic anime. Um, Tale of Princess Kaguya is a film I saw quite recently, which it's reminded me of. Um, if I was to have a minor criticism of the game, the camera is occasionally very shoddy. Occasionally, when you're on Trico's back and you're climbing up him, the camera does this weird reset thing, and you feel like, oh god, where am I now? Um, <laughs> and like I said, occasionally the game is too frustrating in terms of getting Trico to do what you want him to do. But that kind of lends to the character of the game for the most part. And I would say if you are kind of, in terms of you saying about an arty farty game that you're going to be mentioning later, Clive, uh, this is in that same kind of category, but this is yeah. kind of arty farty blockbuster as such. But um, one of the more immersive games I've ever had, and it will, it will, you will have an emotional connection to this, even if it's just agitation at Trico. But um, Trico will, I would expect, go down as one of the most, more impressive creatures in computer games history. But um, has anybody else interested? In, I know you were interested in playing this, um, Clive. Flux, Dave, any interest in playing this at all? No, I hadn't played the previous. I had, I had seen it, but I, I don't think I. Oh, there isn't a huge amount of interest for me in playing this. Mm. Um, okay. Although your review is quite positive, so I might give it a go if it. Yeah, you don't need to have played the other two games. They're in a kind of... It's like saying you haven't played the last Mario. You can still play it. It's not like a direct sequel or anything like that. But, um, Dave, I think you'll find the story in Mario is crucial. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. I definitely have interest. I mean, this came out around not a totally dissimilar time to um, Titanfall 2 and Battlefield 1. Yeah, it was loads of things that were coming out, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's one on a long list of games that came out at that time of the year that I will get around to. Um, I've still got a whole bunch on my shelves downstairs, and thanks to trading in a bunch of stuff, a bunch of things um, just after Christmas as well, uh, I'm now the proud owner of over £100 worth of CEX vouchers. So um, <laughs> <laughs> at one point... At one point, when I finished with whatever I've got on at the minute, I will uh, I'll head down to CX and whichever one of these ones that we're talking about now that I see there at the time, Titanfall or or this, I will uh, I'll definitely pick up. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely art as compute as a video game. Um, whether it's wholly successful um, seems to be open to debate, and I think it was largely well reviewed. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely in the more positive camp. I would but, say. I mean Sorry, I'll go on. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I would say it's not without its flaws, but it is um, it is a piece of art. It's mm. um, it, it's definitively different from a lot of types of games, and it's it's a unique experience, I would say. And, yeah, I mean, like you say, it's going to... I think it would be ridiculously impressive if you came up with a game that's, like, as singular as this, like, uh, and it wasn't flawed in some way. I think it's easy to make a first-person shooter that's mechanically great and works well because they've been doing that for 20 years. <laughs> But uh, if you come up with a new idea, it's really hard to... I think you can expect the first iteration of it to have a bit of jank now and again. And, yeah. But I'd rather, you know, people take... It's great that these things are still happening and people are taking risks. And, you know, especially this has obviously had a pretty huge budget, which isn't usually given to arty games necessarily. Yeah, I mean, so. it, looks, it looks incredible, <coughs> by the way. Absolutely incredible. And Trico is adorable. Like, um, 
I've um, I've played this game in front of uh, Ellen, and she she, she loved Trico. Trico is an adorable <laughs> creature. Um, cool. In fact, I'm not sure if you can get one, but I'm gonna on the hunt for a Trico soft tie anyway. <laughs> I'm sure you probably can. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Um, Maybe you could try and uh, breed crossbreed birds with dogs yourself. No, but I need a cat as well. It needs to be some kind of unholy, as well. an unholy orgy. <laughs> uh, wow. Which you know yeah. we don't endorse on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> must be said. Um, moving swiftly on, we will go back to James Flux. What's your second game you're going to talk about today? I believe you had one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, my second game is uh, it's pretty new out. I think it was released on March seventh, um, so it's only been out for about two weeks at the time of recording. And it's Disc Jam, Disc with a C, by the way, because obviously it can be spelled both ways. Um, developed and published by High Horse Entertainment. Um, it's a PlayStation Four exclusive, um, and is the current uh, PS Plus free game of this month. Um, so it was pretty much released into being a, a free game. Um, Disc Jam is a kind of, um, I suppose, I suppose it'd be described as a sports game, but it it plays a sport that's um, ultimately completely made up to m- uh, modern sports. That's something of a cross between, I would say, volleyball and air hockey. Um, you're given a disc a bit like a frisbee and you throw it and you score points either by dropping it over the opponent's side of the net and they can't reach it or by it going out the back of the court of the opponent and the amount of or the number of points you score depends on how long the disc has been in play so the longer the rally goes the more points you get when you eventually win the rally it's a bit of an unusual game and the reason why I mention it is because I get a sort of uh, I get the feeling that this is an attempt to try and copy Rocket League or or perhaps the style of Rocket League. It's a PlayStation 4 exclusive that was released to immediately being free that is a kind of sports-style game where the mm. sport itself has been made up and is focused on kind of short multiplayer interactions of about five minutes in length. And it seems very much, whilst as far as I can tell there's no association, it seems very much to go in the sort of marketing mould of Rocket League. And so it's kind of intriguing that way. Having played it, it's not as good as Rocket League, I will say. And that that's. But that said, I do get a lot of the same kind of feelings out of it. It, it is exciting to play. It does keep you captured. It's a great thing to get involved in for a couple of quick matches and and sort of play in the same way as you play Rocket League as a as a bit of a filler of time. And but you could also get hooked and play for longer and longer. It doesn't work perhaps quite as well, particularly in the singles matches, because you're relying on the other person wanting to play. And if not, instead of dropping out to a server that will reconnect you, you have to effectively keep searching for a new opponent to play, which is a little bit annoying. But the game, the game itself works really well. It's again, it's a very kind of simplistic concept. You can control the way in which you throw, so you can add curve to your throw um, to obviously try and catch your opponent off balance at the back, or you can um, throw a drop shot or a lob shot, which uh, where the disc flies flat, where the aim is with the, is that it will hit the floor in a certain area, and so that you're scoring like that rather than it going out the back. Um, and you can angle the disc off of the walls to to try and obviously manipulate your shot to go out the to go out the back. Um, 
it, like I say, it's, it is fun. It is a very simplistic concept of a completely made-up sport. Um, but but it is it is fun, and I'm kind of intrigued to see what happens next. I'm intrigued to see if it will sort of have a have a rise like Rocket League had. Like I say, I don't think the game, I don't think the sport, the game is good is as good as it is in Rocket League, and therefore I don't think it will be perhaps as as meteoric of a game. But it it's cer- it certainly it's certainly a good game, and so I'm interested to see what happens to see if perhaps other games will start marketing themselves in a similar way. Cool. Is this, hmm. is this kind of like a, a, a new trend in computer games? I don't know. This is. I mean, I saw this on the PS4 free, whatever it is, you know, PS Plus free games thing, and I, I didn't realise it was new. I just thought it was a an old thing, so it's pretty... But it sounds interesting. Yeah, it kind of sounds what I was expecting, from, more or less what I was expecting of it from looking at the very little pictures I've seen of it. <laughs> but it sounds kind of <laughs> fun, and I think I'll download it for a free, a free go, for sure. Yeah, like I say, it's, I, I'm enjoying it. I've played it a few times. I haven't played it. I haven't got as hooked as I did when I first played Rocket League, so I haven't played it as mm. much as that. Um, but I mean, that's a pretty high standard. But, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're talking about a game that was my best game of last year and Dave's best game of the year before. Rocket League is a <laughs> it's a brilliant game. If, if, do you know what I mean? It's it's unfair. If they've pitched themselves unfair. I think they're perhaps like I say they're marketing themselves in the same way, and therefore that comparison is ripe. Yeah, but it's yeah, a really sure. difficult comparison to make. It's the same as any kind of sandbox game. Your instant comparison is our GTA. Oh, but it's not as good as GTA. Well, of course not, because that you're talking about a game that's right at the pinnacle of its of its genre, and so it's a, it's a the most obvious comparison to make. But equally, it's probably an unfair comparison um, because that's such a brilliant game, and so you, it inevitably sounds like you're panning this other game. So it's like, oh, well, it's not as good as that. But do you know what I mean? Silver isn't as good as gold. Doesn't mean it's <laughs> it doesn't mean it's not perfectly fine. Yeah, <laughs> Gold, gold's tacky. Gold's tacky. You know, overrated, isn't it? Overrated, sad, <laughs> as Trump might say. You know. but he yeah. loves gold, to be fair. He does, yeah. And, and that, and that elevator. Point proven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Fantastic. Um, Dave, do you have a second game you wish to talk about? The last Dave. Oh no! Sorry, might. I I it sounded. I thought I was losing out then. Maybe it was me, sorry. Okay. No, I'll do that bit again. Uh, Dave, do you have a second game you wish to talk about? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we did right, that. Right. Now you've yeah, got I, to keep that I, I so foresaw that coming as well. I was like, I don't think he didn't have much to talk about. He's clearly not going to have one. Right, okay. I think I think I know what I think I know what Clive is going to talk about next, and I may have something to say on that, but I don't think I've played it as extensively as he had. Has okay. and if it's not right. what I thought it was, then um, I just sound stupid. <laughs> you've probably seen it on my history, so you've that's why I've seen. Yeah, I've seen. You're yeah. probably right. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, moving up, moving on to his arty farty game. <laughs> Clive, what have you got for us? Right. Well, my arty farty game of this week is Inside, yeah. which uh, I'm assuming is what you were guessing. That Dave. was what I guessed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, a game again that came out last year. And was on my list to play, but I was waiting for its price drop, and it's currently in the sale, so I got it for like five pound fifty. Inside is it's a puzzle platformer adventure game by Playdead, who um, a Danish studio who also made Limbo, which um, is a game that was critically really well received, I think, when it came out. Uh, I think that's I don't know when Limbo came out, probably like three or four years ago, off the top of my head. I think it was a PS3 game, but that uh, I've not played Limbo, so this is the first of their games I've played. 
you basically play as a, a young boy in a kind of dystopian future world, which is very unclear what's going on. It's a two point five D game in that you move on, you move in two dimensions, but there's you know the background and stuff is in three dimensions. Um, it's mostly it's got a really striking visual style, mostly monochrome and very dark. Gameplay-wise, it mostly involves saving puzzles, um, all of which I thought were really, really well done. Um, there's a nice difficulty curve for me going through. Um, I didn't really have to look um, at some a guide at any point. I think there was one point I did, but it was more because I was in a slight rush <laughs> to get it finished. But uh, I, generally speaking, the puzzles kind of progress nicely and you learn new things it, there's never ever any like tutorial or there's no i don't think there's ever any text on the screen so it's just kind of intuitive how you learn to do everything even just from jumping and you know all, all the very few button commands that there are you just have to figure out intuitively but yeah like i say all the puzzles are really well done and that's kind of the core of the, the gameplay of it visually it's absolutely stunning like i think it's probably one of the best looking games i've ever played it would be in my top you know top five i think as far as i can think of just it looks fantastic it's got this really great minimalistic monochrome style which i've not seen anything like it really it's absolutely stunning and it's also really really polished like i didn't experience any jank whatsoever really just really really smooth gameplay throughout and no at no point was there any issues which is pretty impressive considering some of the stuff that, that usually there's not that much going on but there's a couple of points where there's a bit more a few more factors in play where you could imagine things going a bit janky but it doesn't it's also the soundtrack which it, the game is mostly silent but it has these just occasional musical cues and they're usually just sort of a sort of elongated synths but it's so beautifully done and when it happens it has this really really big impact for me anyway i thought it was brilliant the the soundtrack to it and how it was used in so sparsely gave it a nice just it has such a great atmosphere to it like you, you know you'll be walking around and all you can hear is kind of dripping and the boy's footsteps and you can hear his breathing as well which is something that um you don't really hear in many games and i think that really gives it a i don't know it just really sucks you into the game um it's really like the game was dark not only in terms of visual style but also just in the content like it was way darker than i was expecting i was expecting it to be a, a pretty dark game but some of the deaths are like pretty graphic. There's a you know you get chopped half chopped in half by fans, and uh, you know blood everywhere. But <laughs> which um, is in in with the visual style, the sort of cartoony visual style is quite striking. But um, I thought it was really well done, and I think that again adds to the atmosphere of the game. There's things further down the line which I don't want to spoil, which are also pretty dark. But it's just I I really really enjoyed this game. Like I think. For a three and a half hour game, obviously, if you're going in there expecting a 40 hour open world, not unlinear game, then you're not going to like it. But if you're going in there expecting what it is, a puzzle platformer with this really kind of interesting, this no, the story isn't made clear at all. You have to make every, everything's kind of open to interpretation. There's, like I said, there's never any text. You see all this stuff happening. And even, even at the start, you're, it's unclear whether you're running away from something or running to something. Or, but all you know is people seem to be trying to kill you. But <laughs> it's just really, really interesting going through this game. And it's not like loads of people have complained about the ending. And I'm not going to spoil anything. But it doesn't really resolve anything. And I like that about it. Like, it's just, it's just weird. <laughs> but for me, in the best possible way, like, I just finished it. And I was just like, what the fuck did that all just mean? Uh, but in a good way. And I thought, 
I don't. I'm not quite 100%. I want to play it again before I go and call it a masterpiece, but I absolutely love it. And I think it's close to that. Like, for a three and a half hour indie game, this is probably the best I've played of that sort of genre. And yeah, I just thought it was fantastic. But I also can, if someone said they didn't like it, I would not say that they are wrong. Because I think it's, like Al said on quite a few, I think it's mainly on a film podcast. <laughs> uh, you've. You've said Al, haven't you, where, you know, I wouldn't yeah, disagree with someone thing, who doesn't yeah. like this because it's kind of clearly quite niche or, I don't know, just, yeah. it's so stylized that it's, it's like, taste, yeah. It's taste, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely um, a taste thing. Like, it, it, tends, it tends to happen when you get, well, a film, or in this case a game, that challenges perceptions or challenges mm. conventional tastes. So it's going to be a bit unpalatable for some people. Definitely. Um, like, I mean, you know, Beck was watching it and she's just like, that is grim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't usually, and I don't think it was grim for the sake of it for me, but again, some people might think it is. And some, and obviously if you want a resolution and stuff like that and you're in it for the story, you're not going to enjoy it because it's not necessarily about, there isn't really a clear story, but I like that, that, that there's just so many things that could this could be about and I don't really know what it is, but and I don't think they've mentioned anything. I think some people have suggested it's a, seek, a prequel to Limbo, but I don't think Played had ever said whether that's the case or not. So, and having not played Limbo, I can't say, but I just think, especially this podcast probably isn't going to come out before the sale ends, but <laughs> I would say it's worth it for the a full price. I think it's probably 15, 12, 15 quid. I'm not sure. I got it for five quid and it was well, well worth it. So highly recommended from me. It exceeded. I thought it was going to be one of those where I didn't really get it, but I, I really, really enjoyed it. I played through it the whole thing yesterday uh, <laughs> and yeah, really, really good. Yeah, this might be something I buy because sometimes I struggle uh, with really, really huge games unless I'm totally immersed in them. I think you'd time. love it, Al. I think yeah. you probably would like it. If it's only a fiver as well, that's such a small amount of a gamble. I think, yeah, six, it might be like six, seven, I can't remember, it wasn't a lot. Anyway. Yeah. Between five and seven pounds somewhere. <laughs> right, okay. So before we quite finish here, he's Dave been said, here. Did you say you'd played it, Dave? Sorry. Oh, sorry, I do apologise, yeah. Yeah, so um, I've only played the demo. Um, oh, I see, okay. So first off, like, hands up who knew that games still had demos. How old school is that? <laughs> um, <laughs> now and again, but yeah, not very uh, and, uh, and second, I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I've, I've only played maybe the first kind of 40 minutes, which yeah. is why I didn't want to lead a review of it, because I said, as I say, <laughs> I've, not, I've not played the full game. But it is, it's absolutely gorgeous it's a beautiful game to play and to look at um and yeah i've, I've got far enough into it that i i definitely understand some of clive's points about it being a bit um it's kind of some of what happens to the character in the game is being jarring compared to the setting of the game and i quite i quite like that i can see that might yeah, I think it's turn cool. some people off but i mean yeah the first the first time it happened it almost took my breath away like how mm, yeah um, it, but if you have played Limbo, it's not entirely out of keeping with um, Limbo. It's it's a similar type of um, kind of violence versus graph, kind of the graphic content of the yeah kind of visual experience of the game. Um, I did have Limbo. I didn't get very far through it because I am a terrible arachnophobe and there's a big spider in it, <laughs> so I never <laughs> so I never finished it. Um, this I don't I've think had, there's any spiders in this. So you say this I've had as a dem. This I've got as a demo. And I definitely want to get as a full game, but um, as I say, I've got so much on my list, and I, I definitely will get to it. I definitely will. 
I'm also half tempted to take a gamble that it will be a game that is um, a PS Plus monthly. Um, mm. It so probably it, will it, be. It definitely in a fits into that kind of genre. And my first gamble at that um, has just paid off, and that's Tearaway, which I didn't pay for originally, even though it was on the sale at kind of four or five pounds. I took a bit of a gamble because I was a bit busy at the time, and I saw it on sale, and it's just come free this month. And I've not yet played it, but I will. Um, but I will. I mean, I mean you've, I, I totally forgot my net, my password to the PSN. Um, otherwise, I would have just bought it then on the computer. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it is really, really good inside. It's, it's definitely it's a beautiful little um, indie style game. It's, it's so. Uh, I mean, you'll know from the demo. It's so smooth, isn't it? The way it kind of. I don't know. It's, it's just the way yeah, it does almost the, everything. Absolutely. Climbing on ledges and everything feels so like effortless in a way i don't know it just does things that normally would be at least a little bit janky really really well <laughs> yeah i mean it's a classic yeah. it's a classic of a side scroller isn't it that if you yeah. kind of turn to face the opposite direction it does it kind of looks a bit uh it doesn't look quite right it often just it often just flips the character over and mm. um or the character just you know jumps on the spot and it looks a bit odd um <laughs> and it doesn't really fit but this is it's Side scrolling might be a bit insulting. Cause it's almost it's flow. It flows, doesn't it? It flows. Yeah. It's like a side flower. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's because of um. You brought up a good point there. Actually, I think that's because of the camera. Like in obviously most side scrolls, it stays in the same place and you're in the middle. But this game does really good things with the camera. Like if there's something in the background that it wants you to pay attention to, it will suddenly look that way, and it will you know look over to that, and you might be moving instead of left to right you know, at a sort of 45 degree angle up the screen, but still pressing right. Um, and it does, yeah, really good things with the camera and stuff like that, which is, mm. yeah, it's just a really cinematic experience for a game as well, which is why I think Ali should definitely play it. <laughs> I think you'll love it. Yeah, I, I love the sound of it. Right, okay, so we're going to finish off very briefly. He's been sat here patiently all day, <laughs> waiting to tell us about his... Sadly, since he doesn't really play many games, he's just kind of here as a guest. He's going to talk about the best game he's ever played. Am I? Cool. Yeah. That wasn't what you told me I was going to talk about. Or, or your best gaming moment, whatever you, have, whatever you want to go for. All give right. us, give okay. us something. Well, I would say all, all, of the, uh, all of the things that came to mind when you asked me to do that were, um, were games that, I mean, none of these are going to shock anyone, but games that all opened um, my eyes to the possibilities of certain consoles. So, I don't know... Um, Mario 64 is probably my favourite game of all time. So yeah, join the club. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. it's my, it's my favourite, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that with the N64, I mean, that was certainly revolutionary. Um, although, not a word my 10-year-old self would have used uh, playing it for the first time. But um, uh, and, uh, certainly GTA 3 with the PS2. Um, I mean, I, I, my gaming knowledge probably ends in about 2005, but... Uh, GTA Vice City and GTA um, San Andreas were both great but nothing quite had the impact the same way that GTA 3 did the first time I played that but I think if just sifting through some of my memories of uh, things like that playing games and consoles for the first time I think my favourite just because it was a more communal experience was actually watching someone else uh, play a game for the first time that being Alex um, a solid weekend spent filling my pants with cake, watching you play the uh, GameCube part of Resident <laughs> Evil for the first time. What a game. I think that might rank at the very top. Incredible <laughs> experience. It was. That is, that's got to be the best. Like You don't really get many remake games, do you? But um, that's got to be the best example, I think. 
because it was somehow it captured the the stiltedness of the controls of the original mixed with new GameCube graphics. It was incredible. It was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> That's my contribution. Fantastic. That is a good Thank contribution. We- Thanks for having me. <laughs> Would the, um, do you think the ten-year-old Michael Johnson playing Mario sixty-four might have described yeah. it as um, lubricious? <laughs> that or so. kaleidoscopic. I mean, oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably more kaleidoscopic than it is lubricious. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, in terms of um, there's a game coming out next. I believe it's next week that I can't wait for. At least the end of the month. Mass Effect Andromeda. Is anybody else excited for this? Um, I'm excited to play it, but probably not next week, just because I'm hoping Zelda's going to arrive soon, and that's going to yeah. take me like 50 hours. But yeah, I loved um, Mass Effect 2. I have not played any of the other two. Have you not? Okay. I tried to get into Mass Effect 1, but it felt too crap compared to 2, and then I just have never got around to playing mm. 3, for whatever reason. <laughs> I, would t- I would say they are my favourites, one of my favourite series of games of all time. I like any game which gives you a moral decision between genocide or not to genocide uh, <laughs> that's quite niche that, isn't it? yeah <laughs> not incredible series of games um, I can't wait for the new one I've heard though that it's got some pretty big problems in terms of the cutscenes but yeah I've heard yet. the people weren't too impressed with the first like demo or whatever it is but I've not really read yeah. much in depth about it yeah we'll see I can't wait for that anyway um, right okay I'm excited for the switch obviously but that's it yeah, well, well, we'll hear about that from you next time. I'm looking Hopefully, forward to yeah. hearing your review of Breath of the Wind. Okay. Breath of the Wild, man. <laughs> Breath of the Wind. That's good, that. Right. You've got some merch you want to sell. Your bathwater's running away. What do you want? <laughs> A plug! Because <laughs> it's Hit plug it, time! At Stickeroundcast on Twitter, stickeroundpodcast.com on the interwebs, facebook.com slash stickeroundpodcast, slash stickeround on Patreon, I believe, if you want to throw money our way and help us fund the website hosting costs, would be much appreciated. Um, slash stickeround, I think, on Instagram, is it? Or is it stickeroundpodcast? Stickeroundpodcast. Stickeroundpodcast on Instagram. Y- y- Four you pictures can see of it. us looking good. You can see a new picture me and Michael have done where I've managed to all be completely accidentally master the people's eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to look at that myself. Uh, yeah, so get on that if you want some of that. There's also, yeah, give us five star reviews on iTunes. Just share, tell your friends, and get subscribing on whatever app you're on. You can find us on anything, I think. So, yeah, tell people to give us a listen. And hopefully, we'll start making things a little bit more regular. We'll try and find a regular evening where we can do stuff and I'll find a regular editing slot because <laughs> I'd like to get things back to a more weekly situation just, but yeah you know, that's, just, that's us just be a really unprofessional teacher Clive just turn up just put, <laughs> put, put on an old VHS and just get to editing <laughs> that's what my teachers did and I turned up fine Well, <laughs> not really my school teacher but on my uh, music production course the teacher used to do stocks while we were doing it <laughs> <laughs> well, we were doing our work. We just sat in the corner doing a stock exchange. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was earning heaps of cash, clearly. Maybe you should do that instead. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I'll try it. The annoying thing is that I can't actually, on my school laptop, on my school computer, I have to, when, when something is on the board, I can't do anything because whatever I do on the computer comes up on the board. So, uh, <laughs> bloody fascist. <quite> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Right, okay. Um, we'll call it a day then. I believe we'll be returning to you with first films of the year, probably, or possibly a books episode. Yeah. A books episode. I've got yeah, loads to sit speak about for all of them, to be books. honest. We'll see. We'll try and get Michael on the books podcast as well. Then he's completed the the five, as we like to call it. No, that would be got excellent, a, yeah. Got to catch them all. The full set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is definitely what Ash Ketchum was on about. <laughs> yeah. Episodes of Stick Around. <laughs> got to get on them all. <laughs> no, obviously it'd be good to have you. You should come. I'm excited yeah, for whatever's I just next. Might do that. Um, I just might do that. We'll see you next week for that. Or, you know, maybe in the next two weeks. Just yet. And we'll <laughs> see you probably we in about like a month it. for another games episode, which I'm excited to see what will happen. Thanks. Yeah. We we've been stick around, you've been sticking Stay around. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was waiting for I'm gonna make that. I'm gonna keep doing that every single episode. <laughs> uh, Can you next right. time have like a tape recorder ready with it, please? Yeah, and that's then just like, do, do, should we do that again? Shall I get it? <laughs> no, just be ready. Right. Next we'll, do, time. we'll do it next time. <laughs> yeah. Just... yeah. All right. But make sure make sure we can hear you like pressing the play button. Yeah. And it's like I'll a slight an, delay. I'll buy an action. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> and be quick on the old uh, clicking it off. We don't want to have to pay any royalties. <laughs> yeah, that's true. As long as it's less than 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, because we've definitely gone by that law before. Uh, right, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Come yeah, back next everyone. time. Bye. Stick around. Thanks, everyone, for coming. Bye. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Your luggage. Thank you all for listening. Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around